Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Astro Alchemy. I'm Sarah and I'm with Laura and we are here as your weekly host for our show about the current transits um, astrology wise and then also the uh, transit that the sun is currently moving through in so far as the human design uh, gate and the gene key um, of the week. So every six days, the sun moves into a new key and we are following it right along every week. Uh, this week, the sun is in 57 and um, we're in Libra season. And so those are some of the kind of high level talking points that we're going to touch on. Uh, but other than that, it is Wednesday, October 12th. Um, looking at my date and time, 7.13 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 4.13 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And um, yeah, we can, get, we can hop in and look at the, uh, the human design chart if we want to, Laura, unless there's anything you'd like to add. No, I thought you weren't going to share the date and time for a second. I was like, oh, no, but then you did. So phew. <laughs> we like to keep it grounded with where we are in the space time reality continuum. So, so, you know, because if you're looking at our transits, then you don't know what time it is. Like the transits will be different. Anyways, I'll go ahead and share my screen if I figure out how. Uh, in this yeah, series. unfortunately, we are earthbound to material reality. And so we must... Well, funny you say that because that's one of the themes of this drinking <laughs> um anyways this current week as Sarah said we've had the sun in gate 57 and by consequence the earth in gate 51 which has been making a harmonic partnership it's not the right word I don't it's not an aspect well in astral astrology astrology it is an aspect can't think of like the technical term definition, let's say, um, with Jupiter in gate 25, giving us G center, which is the yellow diamond and heart center, which is the red triangle definition. G center referring to our sense of self, our sense of direction, our search for love and communion with the world, let's say. And the heart center being the center of our willpower, our motivation and our sense of desire and our ego. Anywho, um, that's been going on for the length of this transit because Jupiter has been in 25 for some time. Uh, and so this is, we're on day five or it's the end of day five of this transit. It's a six day long transit, like Sarah said. Uh, so we've been feeling it for most of this week. Um, but that's the earth. That's what grounds us as part of this uh, transit. And the moon by consequence being with the earth during a full moon, they're in the same gate opposite of the sun. The moon that we had the new moon in Aries to clarify that we had this past Saturday was uh was a Sunday the ninth whatever day the ninth was, was yeah it was Sunday was included in this transit in this aspect channel definition twenty five fifty one which is I've told Sarah like one of my favorite channels I don't have it but I love people that do have it Ra Ruhu who founded Human Design has it and it's the channel of initiation. Uh, and there's a tendency to um, be able to withstand shock and bring initiation to other people in their lives with this channel. Um, and currently the moon is in gate eight and one of the nodes is in gate one, the south node is in gate one. So we have a temporary little transit with that channel of contribution. Um, but 57's over here, <laughs> Pites, lonesome self in the spleen center, 
just doing its little thing. That's where most of our neutrinos come from in gate 57 right now, um, wherever the sun is. And it's part of the splenic system. So like last week uh, deals with survival. And if you look at just like the zodiacal belt for a second over here, I'll make it bigger for you. And we go over to the Libra and Scorpio section. Most of these gates are within this plane. So 1848, 57, 32, 50, 28, 44. Those are all within the uh, this segment of Libra and Scorpio. So we're going to have a focus of splenic energy for this month, uh, more than this month for these however many weeks it is. Um, but I'll read us, if you're listening, I'll read to you the little... Uh, caption we have for gate 57, the gentle, and I believe that's the I Ching hexagramming as well, the extraordinary power of clarity, the gate of intuition. For a fifth line, it says progression. Pluto, the natural is, Pluto is an exaltation here, the natural ability to establish new forms while maintaining the powers of reevaluation and re-examination. This provides the clarity to examine the data and assess the process. The possible, I want to say process, I've been listening to Pride and Prejudice this past week, and so I might talk weirdly, uh, totally side tangent. I lived in Boston for four years, and that was enough for me to, like, take on a Bostonian accent, which comes out just on its own sometimes. sometimes That's, an open, That's an open, open G center thing. Well, you'd think it'd be open throat, but I have a defined throat, but yeah, open G. Uh, sometimes like my voice is Western. Don't know why it sounds Texan. Nothing, I don't control it. It just happens. So excuse me if I start speaking with a British accent. It's by consequence of listening to Pride and Prejudice. Um, anyways, this provides the clarity to examine the data and assess the process. I wanted to say, which is why I bring up this tangent, the possible intuitive gift for evaluation. And here the moon is in detriment, the tendency to keep on keeping on that can end up as keep on keeping on isn't that a british phrase oh ha ha the coincidence uh to keep on keeping on that can end up as a misguided missile when in action the intuition may become overwhelmed and unable to assess and evaluate its progress um so that's a bit about 57 within its current line situation being in line five um i don't have this one nor does sarah so we're going to speak to it from current transit experience as well as um I know people who have it, a decent amount of people who have these two uh, gene keys or gates as part of their incarnation across. So I have familiarity through it, through consequences of talking to people in my life through relationships. Um, something that I think is worth noting is that this segment of the zodiacal belt, um, part of Virgo, maybe Libra, Scorpio, yeah, that Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, that area is called the quarter of duality and it deals with relating to people. And it makes sense from the just astrolo astrological perspective. Yeah. If you look at houses 12 on two, they deal with the self. Three, four, five deal with family and like emotions and personal life. Four, five, six deal with, I mean, not four, five, six, six, eight, seven, eight. I was going to say six, eight, nine. Oh boy. Six, seven, eight, deal with other people, relationships, all that jazz. And nine, 10, 11, deal with community, the collective, public image, public life, etc. So we're in this energetic field of duality or relating to people, understanding the concepts of relating and relationships, which is 
poignant for Libra season. Um, anything else worth mentioning on yeah. the human design side? Go for There's it. There's a couple of things. Well, I just wanted to say too that part of the quarter of duality is also in Leo. And so that's just interesting to note. And yeah, I mean, just thinking about all of it in terms of um, just the way that we look at the uh, significations of the different astrological signs, it really makes sense that, you know, this is the quarter of duality because, you know, this is for all intents and purposes, like after the, you know, first quarter of the year, which is really about this, like, mental heady energy the second quarter of the year which is really about this like embodied energy of materiality and um the third quarter being about relationships just it makes it makes perfect sense something that i wanted to just if you could click on the 51.5 where the um uh where the earth is right now so so this is where the shock comes from, the ability to respond to disorder and shock through recognition and adaptation. Um, and I think that, you know, I like people with the 2551 too, maybe not as much as Laura <laughs> does, but I certainly like them and I have some people in my life with it. And um, Ra described this as the energy of like uh, putting your hand out or no, it wasn't Ra. Who was it? I can't remember who said this, but basically like putting your hand out, like if you're climbing a mountain and helping lift up your fellow man. And so there is this like initiatory quality to it. And I just think that, you know, it's an interesting, the 2551 is interesting um, as just being defined and it's kind of been defined for some time now, but then also um, the 51 as it relates to the gene key and the gate that we're gonna talk about, which is the 57. Uh, so, so yeah, so I think that's everything that I wanted to just quickly touch on about the opening human design, uh, aspects and channels and definition, et cetera. Uh, is there anything else for you, Laura? Yeah. Was that Jonah Dempsey that said that quote? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, could be, could, maybe it's not, who knows? Um, yeah. if you do know, let us know. I yeah. wanted to add that 57 is part of the integration circuit, which I feel like is an important piece of his gene key. Uh, we've talked about collective circuitry, which is logical and abstract. Uh, we touched a little bit on tribal. We haven't had too many tribal channel definitions or gate definitions recently, but with the individual circuitry, it moves in different ways, like through the center column of centers, the center column. And through everything, like the very middle line, if you look down through a human design chart is individual. Um, and then if you go off to the side, to the other, um, to the other centers that are not part of the central column, it's the middle channel. We'll explain slightly different because it does something funky, but it's the middle channel that is uh, individual. So from the root, the individual energy pressure begins in 38, which is the pressure to fight the pressure to fight for a purpose or fight for whatever it is. And then the energy moves up into this lane in 28, which we'll be having in some weeks. Um, the sun moves through 57 first, but 28 is uh, the fear of death and the fear of living without purpose. It really needs like some sort of thing to live for, some sort of purpose, sense of purpose to live for. And it's kind of the fear that life is meaningless. 
Um, part of individual circuitry is that it processes melancholy, which can be like the nutritive ground that might lead to creativity. Melancholy isn't inherently like negative or bad. It's just that vibrational frequency that isn't the most pleasant to experience. And it could lead to depression or mental health issues or something worse, but by itself, melancholy, it's, I'd say unpleasant, but that unpleasantness is what leads to transformation, mutation, change, beauty. If you think about all of those, what is, what is it? Uh, something artists, um, there is a common phrase, desperate artists, starving artists, starving artists um, who write their, all their sad love songs <laughs> comes from melancholy circuitry, individual circuitry. Anyways, that fear that kind of cooks up in the splenic center moves up through 57 and it has a lot of potential outlets, which we can see here. Sorry if you're looking at this or just listening to this on Spotify, feel free to open up a human design chart to follow along. But if you're looking at the left triangle on the left side, obviously left triangle, 57, uh, reaches up towards the throat, gate 20. It reaches to the side, sort of towards gate 10 in the G center. And it also kind of does a little bend and reaches towards gate 34 in the sacral center. And all those gates are part of individual circuitry. There's also 2551 is also individual. Um, that energy of 57, you can see you can move through the G center from 57 to 10 to 25 to 51. Um, it moves in that direction. Anyways, individual circuitry is all about a person doing their own thing, going through their own individual mutative process to figure out what it is that they're doing. It's very much beating to the sound of drum, marching to the sound of your own drum beat, whatever that phrase is. Uh, people doing their own thing in their own individualized state. It's not about the collective. It's not about uh, community. It's about figuring yourself out. And in that, that's where mutation happens. That's where transformation happens. And then that transformation, once one person goes through it, they can carry it to someone else and say, hey, like I've gone through this thing, let me tell you about it. And eventually it can spread into the tribe or into the collective. Anyways, 57 is the survival fuel, not fuel, but like survival energy for this individual circuit. 20 is the ability to express it with the throat. 10 is the ability to have love for it. It's one of the gates of the vessel of love um, or love for human behavior, love for being human. And 34 is just pure, pure fuel, fuel. Um, 34 is, 34 is a channel of charisma, but 34 in and of itself, I think is power and force. And it has like very strong, strong, quote unquote, um, energy to it. Just pure life force that does its own thing to get things done. And so 57 comes in with the awareness from the splenic awareness system, the awareness of what's correct, the awareness of what to experience, the awareness of what to do, or what to fix, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's the theme of this gene key, intuition and trust, um, which can take it. Is there anything else here that's a value before I move on? Okay, so if we go to the gene keys website, genekeys.com slash gene hyphen key hyphen 57. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's the shadow of an ease, the gift of intuition and the city of clarity. Again, part of that code and ring of matter we've been talking about. So it's the code on ring that's associated with being in utero, um, with the incarnation process, so to speak, with that comes in with conception. Um, whereas 
oops, don't know what I'm clicking on. Sorry if you're following along. Um, if you look at the other three codon rings that's part of this, or gene keys that's part of this codon ring, uh, it's the emotional quotient, the spiritual quotient, the intuitive quotient, IQ, EQ, SQ, and then 57 is the sacred wound. It's this kind of like Chiron we talked about last week, this deep wound that we carry with us our entire life because it's programmed with us from the moment of conception, um, which maybe we'll get into as I was listening to that part of, or reading whatever it was, of this gene key. It reminded me of the stuff I've been learning in rape cosmology. Anyways, um, the gentle wind is the I Ching hexagram name. I feel like I'm talking gently because it's the gentle wind. The art of softness, its programming partner, ironically, is like agitation. It's up front, it's abrupt, it's in your face, 51, and yet 57 is super gentle and soft in Libra uh, with the two shadows, themes of hesitant for repressive and impetuous for reactive. Um, anyways, that was a lot for just the intro, but yes, it's the gene key of intuition and unease. And again, as part of the splenic system, it deals with fear and the fears that we process about tomorrow and about what's coming. Uh, 20, gate 20 in the throat is the gate that's associated with living in the present moment. And so when we're not connected to the present moment, we think about tomorrow and we, we get into that very um, agitated mental state, thinking about the unknown that's right around the corner. Um, but with 57, it brings us back into the present moment and realizing you don't have to worry about tomorrow because you're living in right now today. And there's stuff to pay attention to right now with phlegmatic awareness system. The spleen is very much in the now moment. It only has clarity in the now. Um, and yeah, and again, it's about survival, survival of our human selves. Um, I feel like that's a lot of logical information. <laughs> if you want to carry us, forward with some abstract energy Sarah please take it away you know I'm good for that no I think that you know after reading the chapter with Richard Rudd on the 57 um something that he talks about right off the bat is that basically uh there's this um underlying frequency that we're all connected to as a species and we've been in this underlying frequency of unease. You can call it unease. You can call it anxiety. You can call it discomfort. You can call it dis-ease too, because it's the lack of ease, generally speaking. And it's something that actually happens to be difficult to break out of. And the reason for that is because um, everybody around us is conditioned within this frequency of fear. And most of what we do is in some way, shape or form meant to placate our fears um, to, you know, the, everything that happens on the mental plane essentially is meant to create this kind of false sense of security in order for us to feel like we're in control somehow and to kind of, um, you know, put a bandaid on, on our anxiety. Uh, and, you know, the anxiety is coming from the fact that again, like Laura was saying, we're not squarely in the present moment. We're in, uh, we are, we are in the past and we're in the future. And, um, this is, this is new for us because we've been intuitive beings living in the present for much of our, I guess, collective evolution prior to present day. And so having to 
um, essentially be just stuck in the mind and thinking about the past and the future, it's like a, a negative feedback loop where the more you do it, the more you feel like you have to do it, the more destructive the cycle becomes. And he discusses the mind as something that's like terribly um, destructive, but simultaneously it can be such a huge, uh, it can be such a huge um, gift if we're able to harness it in the proper way. And I think it's interesting because last week we talked about the 48, which is one of the most feminine gene keys that and the two, but this week, the 57 also is considered very feminine because it has to do with intuition as opposed to the more masculine, uh, the more masculine mental logical processes, even though this is a part of logical circuitry, I believe, right, Laura? No, individual. Oh, it's part of individual. Sorry, you said that in the beginning. <laughs> um, but it, it, what, whatever the case might be for it, it's still, um, it's still feminine in nature because, because of its connection to intuition and because of the feminine's connection to the present moment and the state of just being. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in the world collectively who are still living in this kind of, you know, and, and I've been saying this for the past few days, like I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and I'm very, um, like hyper aware of it when it gets bad because, you know, well, partially because just of being sober and not really having things to like, you know, cover it over it with, but also because, um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing my best to, I guess, navigate what you could call, um, just very new and uncertain circumstances. And so, you know, in the past, if we had uncertain circumstances, we would know about it in the moment and we would act in the moment, but now we live in our minds. And so we're thinking about the uncertain circumstances, um, all the time. And so it just, again, it creates this negative feedback loop of, um, of fear. And so the, you know, I was looking at the repressive nature and I'm just looking at my notes right now. Um, and the reactive nature, and it's just, it's interesting because he talks about how like in every single moment, the body knows what's correct, but like our mind has just hijacked the whole show. And so we have this mind that's giving us doubt and anxiety and all of these reasons that our intuitive knowing in our body isn't correct. And the intuitive knowing isn't loud, like the mental um, duality consciousness is. And so we have this situation where we're basically talking ourselves outside of our own intuitive knowing constantly. And, you know, I feel like I feel very related to this because in my astrology chart, I have a lot of masculine planets I have, or at least I have um, Mars and Gemini, which is a masculine air sign. And it's heady, you know, I have Saturn and my moon in Aquarius, which is masculine air. And then I have uh, two planets in Aries, which is fire. And so I really have um, trouble getting out of my head and into my body. And this has been, you know, an ongoing theme for me. And it feels like, you know, we call it the not self in human design. It's this part of us that is essentially thinking that it is running the show. It's our, it's our mind, it's our not self mind that we think is running the show. And, and it, you know, if we um, have been conditioned, which most of us have, then we're going to 
really identify more with it than we do our own intuitive understanding and awareness. And so deconditioning becomes not just a process of um, of getting back into our body, but silencing the, the mental plane until we're able to utilize it in a way that's actually effective and not destructive. And so, like I was saying, there's the hesitant nature of this gene key, which has to do with like, and I was talking to Laura about this. It's like, you feel like you can't act because your body, your mind is convincing your body that it's not correct to act. And then there's the opposite, which is the impet, uh, impetuous. Is that the right word? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is about basically like being too quick to the draw and reacting before your body's ready because your mind is telling you to react. And again, me and Laura had a conversation about this where you're like, your not self mind can get ahead of itself. And then you end up doing things that aren't correct for you because the not self mind has been empowered in some way, shape or form. And when I say not self mind, you could call it the shadow. You can call it your conditioning. You can call it a lot of different things that might make more sense, but just for the human design perspective, um, it's, it's the not self. So, so those are some things I have more. Do you want to add anything on while I take a beat? Sure. I was going to do that, but I didn't want to distract you. So there we go. Now you can see right. our faces. Uh, also the ego mind, the ego mind is, or ego self is another way of seeing the non-self mind. Um, yeah. yeah. So what I remembered as you were talking about trusting the form, trusting the physical self is that as part of the code on ring of matter, this gene key deals with being incarnated forms at the beginning of, was it the chapter or the, I think it was the, the audio contemplation, Richard had talked about how with the story of Adam and Eve, and I use air quotes if you're not watching this, quote unquote, with Adam and Eve, um, we were energetic beings, we weren't flesh. And it was in that process of quote unquote falling from even Eden um, that we uh, took on our material forms. And this gene key shadow, I think, disease, unease, deals with all of a sudden changing the way in which we operate within a reality um, from being energetic forms to being um, human forms. And then I thought before you said Eden, before you mentioned Adam and Eve, I was thinking like, is he referring to Atlantis? Like back in the day from the spiritual self community, uh, not spiritual self, spiritual community, the idea that we were energetic beings in terms of Atlantis. Therefore, we have like no recollection of our forms on the planet because we weren't physical anyways. When it comes to matter, matter is feminine, energy is masculine. So it's like this embodying into the feminine state of, you know, if you think about how disruptive it might be for a soul or personality crystal, however you want to call it, uh, to embody into a physical form each time or the only time, if you don't believe in reincarnation, the idea that you're energetic entity and you have to change your state from being energy or being dark matter to being all of a sudden of matter of the feminine of the quality that allows the maya to exist and so it's just a very heavy thing to become dense to become impacted by gravity and time to become material that it's um an intense energy which can lead to that quality of unease but at the same time you are that soul you are that perfected form you are 
the self without the body and therefore you can trust the body to take you wherever it is that you need to go or do whatever it is that you need to do um but yeah even with like the conversation that Sarah and I were having about uh, myself and not trusting or being hesitant whereas I told her I used to be impetuous it's funny that I was thinking about I, that was like one conversation. And then I was, I was listening to the contemplation of this gene key. I was thinking of the exact same things that we were referring to historically within my own life, not realizing that it's like the earlier conversation we had was pertaining to the gene key at hand. Um, but with this gene key, sorry, side tangent, trying to organize my thoughts. Um, Richard Ritt talks about how intuition leads you to truth. This gene key is not truth. There is no universal truth for everyone about everything. Like things that are correct for me are not necessarily correct for you. And that's totally fine and okay and acceptable. And so we have this tendency to have our own internal journey towards truth through our intuition. And therefore we think, oh, this has to be true for everyone. Therefore I have to tell everyone about it. We have our own mutative process within ourselves that leads to some sort of clarity and, um, you know, just because it's correct for you doesn't mean it's correct for everyone else too, um, which I feel like was blown up with the pandemic and people having different truths uniquely held at the same time and both being true. Um, but with this idea of, you know, your intuition will lead you to your truth. Uh, historically in the past with when I was more impetuous versus hesitant as I am now, um, I trusted my intuition. And that's the dilemma. The dilemma of this dream key is trust. And I was very adamant of acting from my intuition, trusting my intuition, letting it guide me, letting it dictate what happens. And this is the horror I came across human design. And yet the end result of where I got was not where I thought I would be. Uh, I was miss my ego mind. My ego self was misled from that intuition because what I intuitively received and was told from my guides didn't come true and I was like, how dare you lie to me um but that just goes to show you the journey is not necessarily or there's truth in the journey without there having to be truth or a result within the destination that um what's correct is not always quote-unquote pleasant sometimes it's correct to experience uh, being lied to by your guides so to speak um but anyways that's, I guess, it for now for my thoughts. I could speak more on matter and like cosmology, but you can go ahead and share your stories. Yeah, well, I mean, I was just, you know, again, like this is this obviously this is like the primordial wound gene key. So it's kind of near and dear to everyone. Although I think many people don't um, don't recognize it active within them. But uh, but something that Richard Rudd talks about, too, is just the fact that like were imprinted this um, from the consciousness of our mother and the energy that she deals with fear and how she deals with the, um, the like basically we're getting all of the signals and the frequencies that she's delivering to us while we're in her womb. And it can be kind of sad because it's like, okay, your first 21 years are really determined by, by that, but then you have all of these opportunities to be able to transcend it. And I think that, you know, there's, you know, obviously there's a, there's kind of an impetus on the, on the women, the, the women who are pregnant to really be these vessels for souls in a new brand new way that maybe we haven't thought of or um, really empowered them to be 
in the past that is just very important based on human design and gene keys because of this fact. And something else that Richard Rudd says um, in relationship to the gene key is just that, um, what does he say? That consciousness is gentle. And, um, and, and this is probably what like hit me in my feelings the most because, you know, and the reactive nature, like we were talking about, of course, is impetuous. And there's this overreactivity that comes from it. And like many of us live in this state of not allowing and trying to control and literally being like Sisyphus trying to roll a boulder up a hill or steamrolling over things. And I've just recognized so much of, of the nature of soul has to do with this like very delicate gentleness that you have to approach things with, whether it be a business, a relationship, your family, like all of those things. And growing up, like, I feel like my soul was just steamrolled over. And so there was no gentleness for me. And so I really learned the nature and the language of power and control and abuse and a manipulation. And I didn't understand why gentleness was even important. I was like, kind of soulless. And I don't mean to say that like in the vampiric way, but just like, I, I didn't understand what qualified um, the, the, what qualified someone like living from soul, like what that actually like, like uh, felt like on a qualitative level. And so, you know, him talking about the nature of gentleness and consciousness and the way that consciousness is just gentle, it like kind of gives you um, a signpost for how you should be living because if anything is coming at you energetically that feels reactive, overbearing, you know, pressurized, extreme, like all of those things aren't the nature of the intuitive consciousness that we have. The nature of the intuitive consciousness that we have is gentle. And so like we all probably have some kind of cop or dictator living inside of us that's based on are not self-mind, the mental processes, the fears, the dualities, all of those things. And it's very angry and judgmental and critical, at least mine is. And the, um, and the nature of consciousness is not that. And so like the pure nature of consciousness is not that. And so being able to be like, okay, this is coming from here. It's not coming from there, I think is a good um, lesson or tool to have when you're thinking about um, the internal processes that you're experiencing around fear, around anxiety, and all of all of that type of low-level frequency type thing. Um, so, so there's that. And then I think um, one other thing that he says, just to kind of round it out, is just that gentleness is the greatest of lost arts. And softness, I think, generally speaking, too, is. And I think most of what my life now is about after living a very one, three, three line life of um, just having a lot of trauma and dealing with a lot of um, innocence dest destroying is circumstances is like learning how to regenerate my own gentleness and my own softness um, and, and kind of being more ensouled in that way. So I think that's all I wanted to say on this, on this key. Do you want to add anything? Yeah. Um, well, you bring up being a one three. I think it's really interesting. Well, first off, like, like say you were steamrolled for the first 30 years of your life, whatever. But within this gate, 
the third line doesn't have a detriment, it only has an exaltation, and it's the third line, which is Mercury, which is adaptability, being able to withstand the turmoil of being the three, like bumping into things and all that, and then having the intuition in the now moment to be healthily reactive to whatever's happening to figure out what to do and where to go and what comes from the consequence of having things pump into you or being steamrolled or whatever. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. And then I think it's also super interesting that the sixth line has like this like quality of futility to it because uh, I can't remember like the actual keynote for it, but it's about, um, let's see if I can remember. It's about realizing that just because you have the intuitive answer doesn't mean you can do anything. It doesn't rectify a solution. It doesn't, you know, give you energy to make a change. Sometimes intuition can be futile. And it's kind of like, feels like 47 in that sense, like the sixth line of 47's futility. So it's like, okay, like, you know, but that doesn't necessarily make any difference in a practical sense. Um, and two stories, like two people that I know who have these dream keys as part of their incarnation cross, one's a six and one's a three. So I feel like it's worth noting for both of them. Um, the third line is like one of the most, I mean, I think her splenic center is undefined, but she's like the most intuitive person I know. And um, she used to read tarot cards, she doesn't anymore, but her readings were like, of all the readings I got, like the most accurate. Uh, sadly, she doesn't do that anymore, so can't find a good psychic these days. But her <laughs> psychic skills were very like tuned in. I think it's mostly due to this gene key of being able to be tapped into that as part of her incarnation cross. Part of why she's here is to be highly intuitive and to like tap into that universal energy that it's permeating through everything um, that permeates through all the matter. And then the other person is my brother-in-law, and he has the sixth line, and he in a, in and of himself can be more pessimistic when it comes to intuition. Uh, he doesn't trust the dilemma of this and he has trust. I won't, I'd say like he probably doesn't trust his intuition as much as he could, but I have a story of like being plugged into that conditioning field because I don't have gene key 57. Like I'm an intuitive being and I have my own sources of intuition, but um, it comes and goes. It's not always consistent. And I think the story vouches for that. But the first time I met him, <laughs> it's story time. So the first time I met him, uh, was at a dog show. <laughs> kind of funny. I used to show dogs. I was not showing any dogs at this dog show, but uh, we went, my sister and him and myself and my sister's dog went to this dog show because my sister's dog had brothers and sisters who were being shown and it was their birthday. So we went for moral support for the other dogs. It's weird. This is what I do in my free time. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> uh, after the dog show, we were invited to go to Zach or my brother-in-law's and he's the same. Well, now you've heard, but his friend's house. And so uh, on the way home, like this location was like two hours away from us. Like it was a long drive, maybe even three hours. It was far. And so like we went to a random grocery store to pick up a bottle of wine and uh, my sister is in the car with the dog. And so my brother-in-law and I go in together and never been to the store it's huge don't know where anything is like the wine's over there like let's go so I just knew where in this unfamiliar store exactly where the wine was like I feel like it's back there and then I go and he's like okay I guess you're an intuitive person because like he this was his first impression of me as well and so he probably thought I was weird if I just knew where stuff was within the store anyways we get the wine we go home we drop off the dog then we go to his friend's house 
And as we're going to our apartment, sorry, as we're going through the apartment building, somehow he and my sister lag behind and I take the lead and I just knew which apartment was hers. Like I was walking up the stairs through the corridors and I'm like, is this it? And he's like, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I've never been here before. I've never met your friend. And yeah, I was able to like plug into his 57 energy of that intuition, like know exactly where to go based on this splenic now moment intuition. Like I didn't know where this stuff was at the wine store. It's just in the store. I can be pulled towards it. I had no idea where the friend lived, but being in the building, I was pulled towards the apartment. So that's just a fun little 57 tidbit for you of how sometimes it can manifest. Uh, but yeah, 57 beings are highly intuitive. So I would trust them as, well, I would say trust them as your guides and advisors, but part of what Richard Rudd says within this gene key is that this intuition is for the self. It's like I was saying earlier, it's not for you to go on your high horse and tell other people what's up. Um, it's for yourself, for you're trusting your own inner authority, trusting your own internal guidance system and knowing that it will take you where you need to go and it will keep you alive and survive and thrive, et cetera. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean what you pull in intuitively for yourself is correct for someone else. So maybe don't trust all the 57s in your life if they're not acclimated to be able to give guidance accordingly. Um, apart from like that one tarot writer who doesn't read tarot cards anymore. But anyways, those are, those are my stories. Uh, and I think I'm complete with the jinky side of things. Okay, sweet. So we can, um, we can wrap up the 57 and if we want to, we can pull up the astrology chart. Is there anything you want to say to wrap it up? I mean, I think that, you know, it's interesting just about the 57, what you are saying about it's like level of intuition. And of course, like if it's, if it's performing, performing, if it's functioning from the shadow side, um, it's not going to be as intuitive, not just for itself, but for anyone. Um, and it seems like you can trust it insofar as you're trusting it with its own inner knowledge. So maybe not like separate from itself, but, um, if you're like following somebody going to an apartment and like you're in aura with that person, like you can tap into it if they're, uh, if they're part of the process, as opposed to like, if they're just telling you what to do. Um, but no, I mean, I think, like I said before, I just, I think that gentleness and this, like this lost art is the most, um, the most important part and something that I've been contemplating a lot lately because, um, most people I don't think are able to access it because most of us are living in fear and in the mental plane. So I think that it, it, it's, it's very few people and Richard Rudd talks about how the type of people, if you're in aura with them who are manifesting the city of clarity are just, they'll completely like change the frequency of everyone around them. Um, if you're, if you're in aura, so, um, it's, it's a big deal. It's not a small thing. And it's, it's really difficult, um, with all the not self conditioning that we have because culturally we're not conditioned to be receptive to our own consciousness and gentleness and present moment awareness. So we're kind of led away from it at every turn. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a big one. Yeah. I didn't feel like it's a big generational one too, because it's um, several years back. I'm like looking at my cameras. Several years back, Pluto was moving through 57. Yeah. Um, it's a generation slightly older than us, but because of that, a lot of people 
we're born within a, a generation that do have it. So it's, it's out there. <laughs> Lots of folks have it. It's worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully your week's been intuitively helpful and not fearfully detrimental. But here we go with the astrology. Um, so like Sarah said, I think at the beginning, did we say, I don't know, there is a full moon. I think I said there is a full moon this past week, um, which was in Aries. Now the moon's in Taurus, just to lay out the map for you. Uh, Mars is at 23 degrees, Gemini, Neptune's at 23 degrees, Gemini 2332. So they're pretty precise square going on between them in the mutable signs, Pisces and Gemini. Um, mm-hmm. Mercury went into Libra. So Mercury is at two degrees Libra. Venus is entering into a conjunction with the sun um, that is going to be precise on October 22nd. Maybe we'll touch on that more next week. Um, Anything else? The Uranus square is still ongoing with Uranus and Saturn, uh, of course. Um, And Jupiter is soon to enter Pisces, but I don't remember what day it is. I wrote it down somewhere. It's like the 29th. It's the very end of the month. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just, just to touch on the full moon, because I think the lunar cycles are important to follow. You know, we started out this lunar cycle with a new moon in Libra. And that was, um, that was with uh, Venus in Virgo, where she would be considered in traditional astrology to be in fall. And so there's been, I think, some kind of um, developments around Venusian things as Venus has gone from being in Virgo through the cycle into Libra, which is her home sign. And so it's kind of switched the, um, the general atmosphere. Uh, but for the full moon, so the new moon happened, right, I think on the 22nd or something of September um, or the 23rd maybe, no, 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 it was like the 25th of September, but the full moon, um, happened on the 9th and, you know, that was the Aries Libra, um, uh, cross. And like we were talking about in the beginning it was the 57, 51, but, um, it's also the quarter of initiation and the quarter of duality. And so it, it felt very, we talked about this a little last week, like the balance of self and, and other within relationships. But as I was getting closer to the full moon and Aries, I just started feeling like it, it really felt like teenage angst to me. Like there was this like quality of like angsty teenager, like, um, emo, like just energy to it. And, um, and, and it's because I think, you know, obviously the, the, the moon and Aries is, uh, is kind of a fiery sign and it can be angsty without any help. Um, but just that, that kind of desire to be seen while you simultaneously have, and this desire to connect while you simultaneously have this desire to be autonomous and independent feels very rebellious and very, um, teenage to me, uh, at least that's how my teenage years were. So, um, I just, kind of intuitively sense that that was that was like part somehow of the of the cycle and and so you know like we were talking about 51 too is about chalk that's the I think one of the keynotes or one of the words that's associated with it and so again it carries this kind of rebellious energy um, mixed with the intuitive in the present awareness from the Sleenik Center so 
Um, so yeah, so that's something that I've been noticing, but like for me personally, I was saying the Laura, like Mars and Gemini and, uh, squaring Neptune, which also happens to be conjoined my sun. So I'm having this like square off between Mars, my, uh, my chart ruler, Mars return in Gemini, because I have Mars and Gemini natally and all of this Neptunian and sun energy has created just like such a level of like inter or inner turmoil and chaos and like mental agitation where I can't like just let go of thoughts. Like they're just constantly swirling and, and going. And I think that, you know, even though the, the, um, the head and the Ajna is not defined collectively, like it, it feels very mental and heady to me still. It feels very not self-mind, honestly, with the, the Mars and Gemini energy. And we're going to have Mars and Gemini for a while now. Well, it'll be until next year. So this is, you know, I guess something to get used to. It's going to go retrograde this month. Um, I think it's this month. And, and then we're dealing with it for, like I said, the rest of the rest of 2022. And, and so that's something, and then, you know, just adding on top of it more, um, Saturn square Uranus stuff, which has been, you know, it just very, like I've, I've talked about destabilizing in and of itself. Um, is there anything, uh, you want to add Laura? We have eclipses coming up in Taurus and Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will, I don't know how much we're going to touch on it right now, but Mars in Gemini. <laughs> I don't know. I It makes me think about my, it wasn't a Marshall return, but uh, there is a time that Mars was retrograding over my son and like Saturn was retrograding over my son too. I think this was 2015 or 16. It, 15? I don't know. It was not a nice transit. <laughs> so it, it went, but it it's different because like it's this opposite sign of Sagittarius. But like looking back, it was like very heavy very emotional, very mental. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily how it has to be. Um, we, I'm going to give you all a lecture. We don't have to subscribe to and play victim to what we see on the internet or from your fellow astrologers about astrology. Um, neutrinos are what give us our program. They are constantly coming from the sun and they are moving through every particle of our reality. Uh, basically, I think three trillion neutrinos or 30 trillion neutrinos per square inch every like second. There's a lot and all that's programming information coming through us, going through us, being programmed by us and leaving us and entering other things, other people and the planets. So not only are we, it's two, a two-way street. Not only are we being impacted by the planets and receiving their conditioning, we too are conditioning the planets and giving them our conditioning. And so we can, um, I'm going to use a different example here, but we can uh, work with the planets in ways that we want to. Um, Ross said that like, if enough people partook and had like a collective intention, they could change the frequencies of the planets, but people don't do that because we don't believe in our power. Um, But I was telling Sarah, I, made it rain which feels coincidental with like a couple weeks ago and we covered gene key 46 i shared the story that richard richards and just listen to the story yourself uh by richard rudd but about a rain man 
and how he didn't actually make it rain. He couldn't make it rain. He just knew where it was going to rain because he followed that pool of serendipity. Um, and so I was joking that I sometimes ask the Balkan rain goddess, Sodola, for rain when I feel California is significantly parched, which it is because we've been in a drought for three years. And last week, as I was like watering in the garden, I made a passing comment to myself, like asking her for rain. It wasn't a full-on offering, which sometimes it is, but it was just a passing comment telepathically with like a, a goddess, which does she exist? No. I mean, maybe she was incarnate at one point in time and therefore took on this identity. Uh, so maybe she's a personality crystal floating out somewhere. But uh, usually when I ask for rain, it rains. And uh, not necessarily like within the day, but within a week or two, <laughs> we have some rain and um, it, it feels like it's because of me, but it probably wasn't. But it's going back to that story of like, I just probably plugged into the mental energy of rain is coming intuitively, gate 57, and therefore I asked for it, asked for it, and here it is. Uh, I was probably just like the rain man within the story. But my point is, with this, perhaps there is that mutual two-way street programming of asking, asking for a prayer of the gods, of uh, making an offering or a sacrifice for a specific desire, um, and that desire being met because we are impacting the planets, the consciousness of the planets, just as much as they're impacting us. Two-way street, it's a relationship. We're in the cross of duality. <laughs> it's fitting uh, to work on this interdimensional cosmic relationship. It's not just human and human or human and material object. It can be as big as we want it to be. So those are <laughs> my additional two cents on Mars and Gemini that, yes, despite having a hearty intense transit and it wasn't even a Mars return, it was um, a different kind of placement. Um, Saturn was involved too, so it's Saturn. But um, my point is, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be icky. We can ask the planets to make it pleasant. Um, so yeah, that's just my, my two cents. I'll shut up now. No, that's fair. I just, yeah, I mean, and I, I think that under normal circumstances, when we weren't, we're not also in eclipse season, um, it might be easier for me to get the reins back on this horse. <laughs> but uh, right now it's not so much that it's, uh, it, I'm incapable. It's more that like I'm becoming aware of my own um, tendencies around things, you know, around my own self undoing, around my own bad habits, around some of the things that, um, you know, are basically weighing me down that I need to let go of um, on the individual level. And so it's, it's, it's sometimes it's painful to look at those things, you know, it's not necessarily easy. It doesn't mean that we have to suffer. We also don't necessarily need to whitewash it, but it's just, it's a matter of just like kind of soberly looking at some of the not so positive manifestations of things in order to be able to alchemize, in order to be able to integrate in order to be able to own them in a way so that you're not feeling like a victim to the planets or to yourself or to like the gods or whatever. And you're feeling more like a co-creator. So sometimes it's easier to feel like a co-creator, I think. And sometimes it's just, it, you know, you kind of feel like you got dumped upside down and you're just flailing around in the dark. Um, and I don't think that's how this transit should be for everyone. I think that I'm on some level just getting um, a specific 
amount of spicy things happening all at once. And so it's just been, it's been challenging, you know, but, um, but I, I concur with Laura in so far as like, be a co-creator, don't blame the planets on your problems, um, or don't blame your, the, your problems on the planets and, um, just take, uh, an active role in the, um, not, let's not say manifestation, but in the, uh, the perspective that you hold for your life. So, so yeah, so I think that that's all I wanted to say about the transits. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Well, I'll do it shortly, but since you brought up the eclipses, there is this kind of quality of like when it's eclipses and things are less out of our control, more faded. So I say, you know, you're in charge, but like, maybe you're not in charge. The, pl- the, the eclipses are like calculated points. They're not actually planetary bodies, but the tuners are still moving through this calculated point, but it's, it's different. It's, it's energetic and not matter. Um, but I think that is it. Um, so I'm going to stop share. Um, anything else for concluding? No, no, I was just saying my computer is about to run out of battery. So I don't want to cut you off. If you have anything else to say, feel free to say it. Um, we have a few more minutes before, before I tried to charge it beforehand, but you know, okay. it is what it is. Life to be life. Um, I feel like, I feel like it leaves a space to talk about the eclipses next time. So it's okay. okay. Yeah. We can talk about the eclipses next time because you know, I think, um, I think it's Bernadette Brady talks about how, like, we really have like a few weeks and like, you know, the whole, (laughs) what'd you say? My idea is that it's months. It's not weeks. (laughs) Well, no, it's not even months. It's, it's 18 months. You know, it's like the entire eclipse cycle is really like creating this. Um, there's going to be a flowering during the eclipses potentially, but like it's been a process oriented thing. It's not just like, boom, eclipse, everything changes. It's like, no, this is, there's a storyline that's playing out. So, um, so this is, this is a longer process and yeah, we'll talk about it more next week, but no, I think we did a good treatment of the 57. And I think that we covered a decent amount of astrology and, um, and generalized anxiety for the collective. So, um, so yeah, anything else, Laura? I, I don't think so. I think we're good. Oh, plugins. Go follow us. <laughs> the go end. follow us. In YouTube, it'll be down there in the description. So we don't have to say it out loud. Go follow us. If you okay. want to, no pressure. If it's intuitively correct for you in the now moment, do it. Otherwise, don't. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we love all of our six subscribers and we are very happy with all six of you. And if there's more, so be it. Um, and yeah, thank you for following along and listening and we will catch you next week. Yeah. See you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening.